Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2022, the 524th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Apologies for the lack of an episode yesterday. I was in technological hell. I was recording my interview with Sean Morgan, as I always do on Monday mornings, for his show, Making Sense of the Madness on American Media Periscope. And as we were about 30 seconds into our exchange, my audio just all cut off from my computer. No more audio. So I record the rest of the interview. We start over. I record the whole thing with my AirPods on, but my AirPods somehow don't interface with my garage band and don't really let me do all the things I need to do to record the show properly. So I spent the rest of the day trying to figure out what was wrong with my computer and my audio interface and my microphones and just my life in general. I got to spend an enjoyable hour and a half at the Apple store with a very nice young woman who was also wearing a mask. 
And of course, I was like, please don't look very far into my computer or you're not going to have a good time. But that didn't work. And so I came home and reinstalled my entire operating system and that didn't work. And then I erased my entire hard drive and restored it. And then that didn't work. And I know that you're thinking, well, you're recording now and it sounds like it always does. So something must have worked. What worked? And the truth is, I don't know. But I did buy a new $13 cable that runs from my audio interface to my computer. And now everything's working. So it could be that. Or it could be something else. Either way, I'm sorry for not getting a show up yesterday. Trust me, I would have much rather recorded my show than done all of that other stuff. And I was very ready for a very fun time on yesterday's show. I'm going to try to recreate what I would have done yesterday today. And since it's the first time I'm creating it, you know. But first, thank you to all of you who are joining me on the day of the podcast's release, which you can do exclusively by becoming a paid subscriber on Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can subscribe for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. That comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll have all the access to the writing whenever it goes up if I put in paywalls or anything else. So that's how you do that. And additionally, a welcome to any of you who may have been watching the Liberty Den on Friday, Patel Patriots show. I was on there with John and with Patrick Gunnels and the Kate Awakening popped up eventually. And so did St. Richie, Richard the Saint. I don't know how everybody refers to him, but we all had a good old time because out of nowhere, a new Q drop came out and that hasn't happened in 18 plus months. So, of course, none of us were expecting it. And the timing was amazing because the night prior, Patrick Gunnels had read part seven of my Who is at Q series on his Rumble channel. If you want to check out part seven, and I definitely encourage you to do so if you haven't yet, and you don't have time to do the reading, jump on his channel. Because that piece is one of my favorite things that I have ever written. And just to put a bow on the little Liberty Den discussion, as before, I am no authority on Q. The focus that I have put on Q in the last couple of years has been about the information community that has built up around Q. And Q is, I think, indisputably the most important information phenomenon maybe ever. And that's what I discuss in the piece. But that's the part I'm concerned with, how it is operating in the world, not whether or not any of the stories people tell, the conclusions that they reach from having read the posts. I don't care if those are true or false. I don't think people are stupid for reaching different conclusions than I have if they are doing the research and doing the work and doing the thinking on their own. So when I don't agree with some Q-related theory, I don't think that means the person telling me that theory is stupid. There are plenty of Q followers and Q analysts and people around the Q community that have different opinions on a range of characters and a range of subjects. They have more comfort with certain events happening in the world than I do and less comfort about others. 
They're just different people working hard, doing the research and occasionally reaching different conclusions. All of that is way smarter than going along with whatever the mainstream media says and whatever the politicians say and the conversation that is allowed to happen on censored platforms like Twitter. I'm interested in smart people who do good research, who are capable of good analysis, being able to share all of that in a free speech environment. That's where I want my ideas coming from, because in that environment, those ideas get pushed higher and higher up if they are ideas that map onto reality, if they make sense to people, if they have explanatory power, then they become useful. And those ideas get spread more. That is what happens in a free marketplace of ideas. The best ideas win. And as they spread more, more people see them. People of more expertise in a given field are going to come across these ideas and they can analyze them for themselves. And if the ideas are nonsense, they say, hey, that makes no sense to me. That doesn't sound right. And the idea fades away. If the experts see these ideas and they're like, actually, I think you're onto something there and they look into it and they fortify it with their own research. Well, that's a good idea. And it keeps rising and rising and rising. And as that happens, the knowledge becomes refined. It becomes more usable. It maps even better onto reality. It grows in its explanatory power and it has the experts behind it. And that's how information is processed in the Q realm. In the mainstream realm, there's none of that. The authoritative source hands down the knowledge that the people must believe, and then it is communicated to them through the news, through entertainment, through the universities, through the public health experts. It's the only message allowed on social media. Everything is completely generated to support a falsehood, an absolute falsehood, and the false reality builds up around that falsehood. And we have people, the people who are most resistant to finally waking up to the truth, they are trapped inside that false reality. The information community that has built up around the Q information phenomenon is far more efficient and far smarter than the community that is still invested in watching MSNBC and the January 6th committee hearings. And you don't have to, quote unquote, believe in Q or believe in any of the conclusions or any of the stories that Q followers tell to understand that underlying reality and how important that underlying reality is, because it's not just Q followers. It is a broader truth community, a lot of whom, by the way, are medical people who have turned their backs on mainstream medicine after seeing what has happened throughout this COVID period? The idea that Q people, people who have paid any attention to Q, people that have tried to understand Q, are somehow these fringe extremists, well, that's nuts. Particularly after watching this past weekend's protests slash riots slash temper tantrums over Roe versus Wade and the riots and the protests and the chants None of them really have anything to do with Roe. I mean, yeah, you'll get some here and there, but they're still chanting my body, my choice after supporting vaccine mandates. They're chanting about burning cities to the ground, which is literally no response whatsoever 
to an abortion decision by the Supreme Court that literally just sends the issue back to the states. It's not an abortion ban. That's what they all think because they don't know anything. And there was never any constitutional right to abortion in the first place. They're calling the court legitimate. They're saying that this is a threat to democracy. They don't understand what democracy is. If they did and they believed themselves and they believed the polls when they said that being pro-choice is a vast majority opinion in the United States, if they believed that, why wouldn't they be happy to have this fight at the state level in every state? Take the issue to the people. Convince the people you're right. Let the democratic process work. I thought that was the whole thing that we were supposed to be supporting. But apparently it's not. Now, the riots and the protests, for the most part, failed to materialize. There were some incidents here and there. They attacked the state capitol in Arizona for some reason. Some little terrorist tried to shoot a cop with a flamethrower. A bunch of bratty little communists shut down a freeway in Los Angeles. Ooh, they accomplished so much. One weekend of mild unrest is surely going to make the Supreme Court change their mind after the fact, right? I mean, they're putting up this effort to make it look like there's this huge countrywide backlash to this Roe versus Wade decision, but there isn't that. That doesn't actually exist across the country. People aren't out there with the pitchforks trying to take down the Supreme Court, despite the way their politicians and the people on Twitter have led them to do that. And I said on Friday, I wasn't sure that they were actually going to have the momentum behind this issue. It is not the race issue. The incentive structure is not the same. The punishment structure certainly is not the same. And when the issue's base is a bunch of lonely middle-aged cat ladies and spinsters trying to drum up violent riots is a bit of a lost cause, but they did try to do it. And there's documentation behind that as well. Turns out the women's March was involved with some of it. The women's March of the, uh, the pink pussy hat era. It turns out they're basically just another wing of black lives matter. Antifa man, who said that six years ago? Oh, that was also me. Got it. Cool. There was an article that went around over the weekend, and it's hilarious. It's so funny and so deranged that I think it's a joke, but it might not be. And when something is either a hilarious joke or just simply true because the communists did it and think it makes sense in the false reality, that's one of my favorite things. Like, I would rather not even figure it out because it works both ways and is just as meaningful both ways. And the truth is their side can't tell either. And that's why it's so funny to me. But there was a headline that said seven TikTok dances you can do to save Roe versus Wade. And there was an article that someone wrote. The article was ridiculous and extraordinarily hyper hyperbolic and only made the writer look like a brain dead zoomer. But again, it's entirely possible that this is real. People who are obsessed with TikTok and TikTok dances and using TikTok dances to spread activism actually could be entirely on board for this. 
This is the sort of thing that they think is helping. That's like fighting for a cause because they're terrible at memeing. They're terrible at communications and nobody respects them because they don't know anything. And they are such, such absolute and utter dorks. TikTok dances, honestly. But the thing that was most interesting to me about this article, real or not, is the idea that they still think there is this major thing they can do. And of course, the Democrat Party is exploiting that by trying to fundraise off the Roe versus Wade decision and trying to encourage all their communist supporters that this is the most important midterm of all time. We're going to save abortion just like we have for 50 years. And of course, that's not going to happen. They just literally lost the thing they always run on preserving. And now they want people's further trust so that they can preserve the thing they already lost. Now, everything they're doing in response to reality right now is happening in the past tense. So the decision gets made. The issue is closed, right? There are other issues obviously to come in the abortion debate. Plenty of them have opened up despite this decision. But they actually think that they're going to like get this thing turned over again. And they kind of need to in many ways because there's a lot of Supreme Court precedent built on the terrible decisions in Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And it seems like some of that is getting upended right now. And maybe we have more to come. There was a freak out over the implications that decision could have in a broader social context. And some of that may well be justified. That's what happens when you use politics to make Supreme Court decisions and then you build your politics off bad Supreme Court decisions. When those decisions are finally overturned, the rest of the political program goes with it. And we're seeing a bit of that happening in real time as decision after decision comes down. And what we've seen from that side is their normal level of anger and insult and detachment from reality and bigotry and hatred. And they do that for as long as they can. And then the decision comes and then they do that again because all of it is always about emotion. They have Lori Lightfoot out there screaming, Fuck Clarence Thomas. That's the mayor of Chicago. I mean, she's not legitimate. She is a criminal. She also seems to be some freakish little Beetlejuice demon. But we're told she's the mayor of a major city. And she's screaming, fuck Clarence Thomas. Got Elizabeth Warren out there freaking out. They want to do abortions on federal land. They want to set up abortion camps on federal land in the states that will no longer allow abortion. They have attorneys general saying that they're not going to enforce the laws on the books like Dana Nessel in Michigan. Michigan had a trigger law that would ban abortion immediately and impose penalties for having illegal abortions, not going to enforce them, she says. Doesn't matter what the Supreme Court's ruling is now. And the Illegitimate Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi herself, wrote this letter yesterday. Dear Democratic colleague, this weekend, the American people spoke out in person and in large numbers about their opposition to the Supreme Court's disrespect for a woman's freedom over her reproductive health. Now, already that's dishonest. There were equally as many pro-life protesters 
as pro-abortion protesters at all of these events, at least until the nighttime when Antifa and other domestic terrorists took over. Following the release of the draft decision, our pro-choice House Democratic majority has been hard at work preparing for the possibility of this tragic outcome. Our caucus has been exploring avenues to protect the health and freedom of American women. Among them is legislation that protects women's most intimate and personal data stored in reproductive health apps. Many fear that this information could be used against women by a sinister prosecutor in a state that criminalizes abortion. That is what they're scared of. Women's health information in an app. They're the ones who are proposing vaccine ID cards and medical records within that digital ID that the entire government would just own. These people are scared of that. Well, that isn't true. Makes clear that Americans have the constitutional right to travel freely and voluntarily throughout the United States. Well, they already have that. Once again, passes the Women's Health Protection Act. Landmark legislation to enshrine Roe versus Wade into the law of the land. Well, how would you go about doing that? Roe versus Wade, in its best reading, could be considered an implication that a right exists in the Constitution that would allow abortion on the basis of the woman being able to choose. But all of that is convoluted. They don't care about codifying Roe versus Wade. They care about making sure that they can get as many abortions completed as possible. That is a clear and obvious goal at this point. And they're not interested in the states deciding for themselves. What they are trying to do is centralize everything always. They want everything to be done at the federal level so that they have to steal the smallest possible amount of power in order to implement their entire agenda. If everything can be accomplished by the federal bureaucracies, then the states don't really have a say in anything. And if the states don't have any say in anything, then each state ends up having the same laws as every other state and they push it as far as they can. And then soon the entire country is just like California. And politically speaking, we can see where this leads. They have run on protecting Roe versus Wade for decades. They did not do it. They did not succeed in doing it. But Roe versus Wade being in place allowed politicians from both sides to just ignore this issue completely for a very long time. Democrats could scream about a woman's right to choose and how important that is. And it's all about women's rights and women's bodies and women's choices. And the choice must be between a woman and her doctor. Stacey Abrams was actually interviewed over the weekend and she said the choice should be between a woman and her doctor in consultation with her family. Shouldn't the choice be between the pregnant mother and the father and the family in consultation with the doctor? I'm sure that's what she meant. And then, of course, you have rhino Republicans like Mitt Romney, for instance, who say things like 
The Supreme Court has established precedent that Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. And I respect where the Supreme Court is on that decision. I am committed to appointing conservative justices to the court. And perhaps in the future, a case may come that they may decide a certain way or another way. But for now, I understand that the court precedent is what it is. I am pro-life, but I understand that the society just is this way. And then people just stop asking. They have essentially given the Democrat position, the pro-choice position, and use Roe versus Wade as a cover so that they can pretend that they're actually pro-life. And they do a similar sort of thing about immigration as well. This is the problem with rhinos. Project Veritas had another video a few days ago exposing a different element of the rhino creation process, a politician named Crystal Matthews in South Carolina was caught on a phone call talking about how they needed to recruit more Democrats who would run as Republicans because it's impossible for Democrats to get elected there. So what they need to do, find a Democrat who's willing to put an R next to their name run that person, get that person into office, and then continue pushing Democrat policies through with ours next to some of the voters' names. And that supposedly is how to represent the people of South Carolina, according to one of their congresswomen. And we are supposed to pretend that all of this is okay. Back to Nancy's letter. In his disturbing concurrence, Justice Clarence Thomas confirmed many of our deepest fears about where this decision may lead, taking aim at additional long-standing precedent and cherished privacy rights from access to contraception and in vitro fertilization to marriage equality. Legislation is being introduced to further codify freedoms which Americans currently enjoy. More information to follow. It is still appalling to me that the chief justice of the Supreme Court would agree that a constitutional right does not exist if it was not spelled out explicitly and in public when the 14th Amendment was ratified over 150 years ago. While this extremist Supreme Court works to punish and control the American people, Democrats must continue our fight to expand freedom in America. Doing so is foundational to our oath of office and our fidelity to the Constitution. It is clear from how Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell stacked the Supreme Court that elections have ramifications. It is essential that we protect and expand our pro-choice majorities in the House and Senate in November so that we can eliminate the filibuster so that we can restore women's fundamental rights and freedom for every American. You got that? Elect Democrats this fall and they will end the filibuster in order to restore women's fundamental rights and freedom for every American. That's all it takes. Ending the filibuster so Democrats can do what Ever they want, as long as they have cheated their way to a simple majority and every American has freedom again. How great. Why didn't we think of that? It would have been the best solution ever. We all want freedom. Nancy can do it. We should all just vote Democrat forever and watch our freedom bloom. So we have a couple of more Supreme Court decisions to come tomorrow. There was one yesterday that about a football coach who was fired for praying 
on the 50-yard line after games by himself. And the Supreme Court upheld his right to do that. Thank goodness. Tomorrow, we're going to see how the Supreme Court rules on the Remain in Mexico policy, which may pose some threat to Biden's slave trade at the southern border. And we'll get to more of that in a second. And there's also a decision coming down that addresses the EPA's ability to pass regulations and control emissions from power plants around the country. And that'll be a real interesting one because the federal bureaucracies should not be able to just set out laws to govern industry around the country just because they feel like it. We have been under the belief that they are doing all of these things because they are following the science and they want a safer environment, a better world. They're trying to actually preserve the environment. But it turns out that all of their premises for that whole issue are nonsense. And this decision has the potential to strip some of that illegitimate power away from the administrative state. And that as well could have more far reaching implications because we've seen over the past couple of years what the power of these bureaucracies enables the federal government to do without any input from the people's representatives in Congress. Biden knew he couldn't pass an actual vaccine mandate, so instead he had OSHA attempt to do it. And that was, of course, ruled unconstitutional. And we're seeing a couple of trends in this string of recent decisions. Most of them have been geared toward upholding the Constitution as written and decentralizing power from the federal government back to the states where it should be. And it needs to be with the states because these issues should be discussed on the lowest level possible, whether it's local in your town or in your county or then in the state and then eventually into the federal government. But that's the last place that these decisions should be made. We used to believe that the states were laboratories for democracy. That was the phrase. But that's been replaced with the idea that the federal government and its bureaucracy and its experts are able to make better decisions than the states could make. We don't actually need the laboratories of democracy anymore. They have already figured it all out. And what the people need to do is get out of their way so that they can implement all of it. Now, the person hardest hit by the abortion decision, as you might imagine, is Hillary Clinton, who, for whatever reason, thinks that the supply of aborted fetal tissue is a necessity in this world, and she is extremely angry. Here she is releasing her inner Hillary Clinton. Justice Thomas has sort of floated that out there about contraceptive rights, and yes. contraception, and about same-sex marriages. But other justices have pushed back to say, no, he's really sort of on his own with that. Well, Don't he believes that. Well, he may be on his own, but he's signaling as he often did, you know, people, I went to law school with him. Mm -hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, to find cases, pass laws, 
get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to yes. this? Yes, the people he is speaking to, which is the you know, right-wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures. And the thing that uh, is, well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing, but women are going to die, Gail. Women will die. So Hillary Clinton went to law school with Clarence Thomas and her special knowledge allows her to say as a factual matter that Clarence Thomas has always been a person of anger and grievance ever since law school. I mean, I see pictures of Clarence Thomas on vacation with his wife, for instance, and he looks like a very happy guy. He seems like he enjoys his life. He's obviously a strong man because he survived a made up racist attack to keep him off the court in the first place, led by Joe Biden, who was mentored by a Klansman. He stayed strong in the face of that. He's clearly brilliant. He's clearly committed to the cause of America and to the American Constitution. But he has also been a person of grievance and angry ever since college and what were his grievances and his anger based on back then? Was it something to do with growing up as a black man and being mistreated by people like Hillary Clinton? Or is she just making that up? Because that's how she describes a black person who doesn't agree with the Democrat Communist Party and its agenda. And this is very much in line with the rest of the Democrat Communist Party's attack on Clarence Thomas for the past few days. It has been almost entirely race related. Six justices voted to overturn Roe versus Wade and Casey. But Clarence Thomas is the one that they're all very mad about, the one they can be justifiably mad about. Strange that he's the only black person on the court and the target of all their hatred and anger. But maybe it's not that strange. In fact, maybe this is what these people have been doing for the entire time. But Hillary Clinton can't be racist because she's a Democrat and Democrats are saving black people just as they always have. Yes, they were the party of the Confederacy and the Klan and Jim Crow and urban decay and the theft of millions and millions of votes from black Americans. But they are not racist. In fact, they're anti-racist. And the Republicans are racist because the switcheroo happened when the Civil Rights Act got passed, even though the president that signed it said this will have those N words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. They're not racist. They're also not racist, despite the fact that they voted for a man who was mentored in politics for decades by a Klansman and wrote the damn bill referring to the crime bill in the 90s and the guy who said if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, but they're not racist because they're the party that isn't racist. And it's actually racist for you to call them racist, but it's not racist for them to call Clarence Thomas an angry and aggrieved man throughout his life and a white supremacist. That stuff's not racist. It's also not racist to support the slave trade happening at our southern border, even when 50 black and brown skinned immigrants die in the back of a semi truck in our country, by the way, because they were being shipped 
They were trying to get to the deportation free zone so they can yell Ali Ali Oxen free and then get Social Security cards. Someone is going to have to tell me the important difference between that event and, let's say, a slave ship sinking in the ocean. But no, no, all of these people are just coming here to seek a better life. And what the Democrat Communist Party is doing is not a slave trade. What they are doing is actually a humanitarian mission to help these people achieve their dreams of living for free in America off American taxpayers. And what the liberals will tell us is, don't you understand how bad all these people have it in their own countries? They're better off like this, according to us. And they would have never defended the African slave trade that way. (laughs) No way would they have ever said they're getting a better life in America, despite the slavery. That is just not an argument these people would have ever ever made. And now you're thinking, is he going to combine court decisions with the illegal immigration issue? There's no way that would be like completing a triple sow cow in competition, but I'm going to do it yesterday. This is from CBS news court strikes down NYC law granting voting rights to non-citizen residents. And this is something I've discussed on the show a few times. I imagine that certain people thought this cannot be real. Why does he keep saying that they're trying to allow illegal immigrants to vote? Well, here's why. Non-citizens living in New York City will not be allowed to vote in local elections. A judge blocked the measure Monday after New York back in January became the first city in the nation to grant those rights to non-citizens. The law would have allowed nearly a million people to vote in the city's municipal elections. But as CBS 2's Christina Fan reported, Republicans challenged the measure and won. A day before the primary election, it's a major blow for voting rights advocates. Just seven months ago, they rallied on city hall steps to give non-citizens the right to vote. On Monday, they learned the short-lived law was defeated in court. We are emphasizing how important it is to emphasize your voice. And yet we let one million New Yorkers remain silent in the process, said Wenny Chin of the New York Immigration Coalition. So the courts have stopped the practice of a Democrat communist city being able to become and make itself a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants and then give those illegal immigrants the same power as American citizens in those cities to control how the cities run. And of course, we know that they have plenty of non-governmental organizations to make sure that those illegal immigrants get their ballots and they, quote unquote, know how to properly cast those ballots. And by properly cast, of course, they mean here is all the stuff you vote for. Thank you for your ballot. Now, I imagine over the course of the next couple of weeks or maybe couple of months, depending on how this New York primary shakes out, we might hear stories about how a whole bunch of these very illegal immigrants voted in this primary election. And we can't take it down now. It's too late. We already announced the results. We don't know who voted for who. It's going to be impossible to strip out the votes of only these illegal immigrants. So we're just going to have to let the count stand. I guess the courts just decided too late, but we'll see.
Nonetheless, great news that the court has knocked down something so ridiculous and anti-American. This is not about taxpayers needing certain representation. These people are not supposed to be there. We can be as compassionate as possible about their life situations and try to handle these things gracefully. But these people should not be in the country in the first place. They were brought in to have their labor exploited and their political power exploited. We should not be happy that the Democrat Communist Party is opening up more ways to be able to exploit them politically. It is a preposterous insult to every single American citizen that they are trying to dilute the power of your vote by bringing people in from other countries who have no idea about American culture, no idea about American political issues. And the Democrat Communist Party wants to tell you that that person has as much right to give their input into how your society should be run as you do. And yes, it is your society. You are an American. If you are an American, if you're not an American, then this is not your society. This society is for Americans. If you're Australian, then that is your society and not my society. I can't go to Australia and be like, hey, it's my society too. Well, no, it's not. My society's America. Only American citizens should be able to vote. That's not controversial. It is the most normal thing in the world. Now, prior to my audio mishaps yesterday, I was all fired up to take a beautiful victory lap on my use of the term global communism. I have been saying that for two years, and I have believed it was a perfectly accurate description of the system being implemented for those last two years. People called that crazy and hyperbolic and divisive. I was a bad person for calling Americans communists simply because they supported a communist agenda. And of course, it's a conspiracy theory to believe that countries all across the world could be united toward common goals that do not serve their people and actually just serve a global agenda, even though we have organizations like the United Nations and NATO and the WHO and others that are specifically geared toward implementing a global agenda. But every now and then you get the gift of perfect clarity being delivered by someone who lacks the capacity for coherent thought and speech. And that's what we got from the fake president, Joe Biden, this weekend when he traveled to Europe to meet with the G7 leaders and discuss their plans for what they call global infrastructure. Our nations and our world stand at a genuine inflection point in history. Technology has made our world smaller, more immediate, and more connected. It's opened up incredible opportunities, but also accelerated challenges that impact on all of us. Managing global energy needs, taking on the climate crisis, dealing with the spread of diseases, and the choices we make now in my view, are going to set a direction of our world for several generations to come. These challenges are hard for all of us, even nations with resources of the G7. But developing countries often lack the essential infrastructure to help navigate global shocks like a pandemic. 
So they feel the impacts more acutely and they have a harder time recovering. In our deeply connected world, that's not just a humanitarian concern, it's an economic and a security concern for all of us. The world is so connected now that it brings a lot of benefits, but also some pretty significant problems. And so what we need to do is make sure that the world is completely interconnected to the point where it's all the same system. You see, small countries, the ones without the resources, they are, they don't have the ability to react properly to things like a pandemic, even though Africa was not hit as hard with COVID as the rest of the world. But forget about that. What we need to focus on is that without this connectivity and infrastructure being built around the world to make sure that we can all respond exactly the same all the time, well, we're all doomed. That's why one year ago when this group of leaders met in Cornwall, we made a commitment. The democratic nations of the G7 would step up, step up and provide financing for quality, high-standard, sustainable infrastructure in developing and middle-income countries. What we're doing is fundamentally different because it's grounded on our shared values of all those representing the countries and organizations behind me. It's built using the global best practices, transparency, partnership, protections for labor and the environment, we're offering better options for countries and for people around the world to invest in critical infrastructure that improves the lives, their lives, all of our lives, and delivers real gains. Developing high standard, sustainable infrastructure for low and middle income countries. They're going to do this through best practices regarding the environment and information and transportation and human rights, global best practices. Those aren't the United States practices. They're the practices decided on by the global community. And those practices will be implemented as they build out a global infrastructure in low and middle income countries. This is the West's response or the West's part of the CCP's Belt and Road Initiative, where they build up infrastructure in other countries around the world so they can strip those countries of their resources and easily bring them to the places they need, distributing them as they see fit. The leaders of those countries will talk about how it's providing economic opportunity and jobs. But what it really is, is the infiltration of the global order in all of these countries. They're buying off the leadership, much of that leadership they have installed. And those corrupt leaders will gladly give their countries away because the price is right. And the West will recolonize all these nations. But we're not going to call it that. We're going to call it a partnership. They won't be colonies that are exploited for their resources at the expense of the people to the enrichment of the leaders. We're going to do it with with partnership and transparency, and we're going to be using global best practices so nothing gets messed up for all of our people, not just the G7, all of our people. Today, we officially launched the Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment, 
We collectively have dozens of projects already underway around the globe. And I'm proud to announce the United States will mobilize $200 billion in public and private capital over the next five years for that partnership. So they're announcing a partnership. The projects are already underway even before they're officially announcing their partnership. And the money supporting this partnership is both public and private. So they have what philanthropists or corporations. That's what the private money means. It's either coming from philanthropists or it's coming from corporations. And they're going to work in conjunction with this global governmental organization. And they're going to build infrastructure in low and middle income nations in order to further connect the entire world. Now, why does that benefit America? It doesn't. Any money going out from America to the global community could certainly be better spent in America if the goal is the benefit of the American people. But quite clearly, the goal is not the benefit of the American people. Because in the globalist mindset, there is no difference between people. There is no difference between Americans and the people of Angola or Senegal, as you'll hear in just a minute. You're either in the club or you're not in the club and you are not in the club. If you're not in the club, your life has no more or less value to the quote unquote American president than the citizens of any other country. You are just a global citizen. You are just a person who can be used here or there or anywhere. And their job is to manipulate society in such a way that the people of the world, the global citizens, will help it to achieve its outcomes. You will be allowed to live in such a way that supports the state. And if you don't support the state, well, then you start suffering. The way to reduce the suffering is to support the state further. Your needs as an American are irrelevant, and it's selfish for you to even think of your needs that way. Your tax money is necessary to give to low and middle income countries to build global infrastructure, because without that global infrastructure, well, we might get another pandemic and the pandemic would somehow be their fault. It would be made worse by the fact that we don't have this global infrastructure in place. So don't you see, we need it. If you don't support the global infrastructure, well, then you are indirectly killing someone's grandmother. And you don't want that on your conscience, not after killing so many grandmothers already by refusing to wear masks and continuing to try to keep your business open and not wanting to be injected with an experimental gene therapy. Imagine the death toll already on your head of grandmothers who you indirectly killed by not complying. And you heard Hillary Clinton, you're killing women just by not supporting abortion. We're here today because we're making this commitment together as a G7 in coordination with one another to maximize the impact of our work. Collectively, we aim to mobilize nearly $600 billion from the G7 by 2027. These strategic investments are areas of critical to sustainable development and to our shared global stability, health and health security, digital connectivity, gender equality and equity, climate and energy security. And there you have four of the main pillars of the global communist agenda. 
health and health security. That means the WHO's influence over global policy whenever the WHO declares a health emergency. That is global governance under the guise of pandemic preparedness. They want digital connectivity. That means they want to own the physical infrastructure of internet communications, whether we're talking about undersea cables, land-based telecom infrastructure, satellites. They want to control the information infrastructure, the physical information infrastructure. And then on that physical information structure, they will be able to control the information that flows through. And you can expect they be using the CCP's model for that. They want the gender agenda implemented worldwide as they build this global infrastructure. They want their gender agenda implemented in all of these small, low and middle income countries that they plan to take over. And they want to implement their environmental agenda at the same time. The end point of all of these different agenda efforts is always the centralization of power and control. All of that will be pushed to the top, to the highest levels, to the most powerful people and organizations. They will control everything. You'll own nothing and be happy. You will be exactly the same as every other global citizen. And the most powerful people and organizations in the world will decide when it's time for you to begin eating crickets. You will be equal with everyone, just not them. Let me give you some examples of the kinds of projects that are underway in each of these areas. First, health. Two years ago, COVID-19 didn't need any reminders about how critical investments health care systems were and health, sec and health security is, both to fight the pandemic and to prepare for the next one, because it will not be the last pandemic we under we, we have to deal with. That's why the United States, together with the G7 partners and the World Bank, are investing in a new industrial-scale vaccine manufacturing facility in Senegal. When complete, we'll have the potential to produce hundreds of millions of doses of vaccine annually for COVID-19 and other diseases. It's an investment that will enhance global vaccine supplies as well as improve access and equity for developing countries. Massive vaccine infrastructure in Senegal. Now, Senegal appears on the list of places that the U.S. Department of Defense and other partners have biolabs. It's also a place that George Soros's Open Society Foundation has been involved for a long time. It's also a place that has had an election beset with election fraud. Claims by the opposition, baseless claims, no proof, no evidence, just baseless claims. And that stuff couldn't have gone down the same exact way things happened here. They couldn't be installing corrupt global leaders and then using their newfound power to make things like this happen. That's crazy to even think it. Conspiracy theory, man. But don't worry. With this takeover of Senegal and the building of this global infrastructure, well, then we're going to have enough supply of vaccines for COVID-19 and other diseases. Joe's always happy to remind us that pandemics aren't over. We're going to have another pandemic. 
Maybe we're going to have a bunch of pandemics. Maybe we'll just keep having pandemics until the global reset is complete. The digital area. Our economy's future increasingly depends on people's ability to connect to secure information and communications technologies. We need to strengthen the use of trusted technologies so that our online information cannot be used by autocrats to consolidate their power or repress their people. That's why the Digital Invest program is mobilizing $335 million in private capital to supply secure network equipment in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And the U.S. government also supported the successful bid by an American company, Subcom, for a $600 million contract to build a global subsea telecommunications cable. This cable will stretch from Southeast Asia through the Middle East and the Horn of Africa to Europe. This will be essential to meeting the growing demand for reliable security, high-tech connectivity in three key regions of the world. Build the physical infrastructure, control the physical infrastructure, control the information. Information security guarantees that autocrats around the world can't influence the information that the people in democracies are able to access. That's the last thing you would want is a bunch of autocrats controlling everything. Of course, in their mind, autocrats are any sovereign leaders. Here are some autocrats. Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, Jair Bolsonaro, Viktor Orban, Narendra Modi. Anyone who is not on board with the global communist agenda is an autocrat. They want to make sure that no information from that autocrat sphere can ever break into the good information disseminated by the American evil twin in the form of this fake presidency and its global partners. They want to control all of the information in all of these regions around the world. Third, gender. When women and girls have the ability and the opportunity to participate more fully in their societies and economies, we see positive impacts not only in their communities, but around the board, across the board. We have to increase those opportunities, though, for women and girls to thrive, including practical steps to make childcare more accessible and affordable as we continue the vital work to protect and advance women's fundamental rights. The United States is committing $50 million over five years to the World Bank Global Child Care Incentive Fund. This public-private partnership, supported by several G7 partners, will help countries build infrastructure that makes it easier for women to participate equally, equally in the labor force. So they're putting money into the World Bank's Child Care Initiative, and this money is supposed to help women be part of the global labor force. Now, what is he getting at? Seems pretty obvious that he's getting at access to abortion around the world. He's making the claim that women can't enter the workforce if they have children. It is of utmost importance to make sure that women are in the workforce and not having children. So what we need to do is give money to the World Bank Child Initiative 
to make sure that women can get abortions. And this will be good for society. We are just supposed to accept that at face value. The more women who are in the workforce and not raising families, the better off society is. That is what we've been told for decades because we have a population problem. The world is overpopulated. According to these people, according to the globalists, the philanthropists, particularly Bill Gates, and it's not a depopulation agenda. It's a sustainability agenda. Don't you get it? Dumb, dumb. Don't you trust the science? The world is going to end if we keep having children. The world is going to end because the sun is attacking the earth. The sun is going to kill the earth. And we need to understand the sun's power and the sun's might. And we need to listen to what the sun tells us to do. Otherwise, the sun is just going to keep attacking the planet and then nothing will ever be sustainable. Everybody's going to die because we have too many people. That's what the sun says. The sun's like, oh, you better stop having people or I'm going to attack the earth again. And so to appease the sun. We create electric cars that the government can just turn off whenever they want. Oh, sorry, we don't have enough electricity for your car right now. You're going to be stuck there. You know what? We're not going to have enough electricity for your car for a good long time. So you might as well just go ahead and get rid of your car. Ride a bird scooter around. Oh, you live in the country. Sorry to hear that. That sucks for you. I guess you're going to have to move to a city. Or, I mean, you can starve. And you know what? We're also going to take away your plastic straws because the sun tells us that it's going to keep attacking the earth unless we get rid of plastic straws. You stop using plastic straws. I mean, hey, the plastic cup. It's okay. It's not ideal. It's not ideal, but it's okay. We got to get rid of the straws, though. We have to get rid of the straws or the sun is going to keep attacking the earth and we need to save the earth from the sun. So we're going to take your straws. And since the straw thing didn't appease the sun, which totally we don't think of as a God or anything, but the straw thing and the recycling thing, they have not appeased the sun. The sun still plans on attacking the earth. And the truth is the sun is going to keep attacking the earth until we just have way fewer people. So what we need to do is provide abortions everywhere because, you know, it's good that Women aren't having babies. That's one big benefit of abortion. And the other major benefit of abortion is that that aborted fetal tissue, man, that helps the science so much. This is how we're going to save the world from disease. We need the abortions because we need the tissue because we need to do the research and we don't use it for anything else besides just, you know, research. The science says it's necessary and the science is how we get the sun to stop attacking the earth. So if you're not down with the science, apparently you just want everybody to die. <laughs> Real pro-life. Oh, you're a hypocrite. You want everybody to die. And very important, climate and energy. We're seeing just how critical this is every day. The entire world is feeling the impact of Russia's brutal war in Ukraine and on our energy markets. We need worldwide effort to invest in transformative clean energy projects to ensure that critical infrastructure is resilient to changing climate. Critical materials are necessary for a clean energy transition, including the production of batteries, need to be developed with high standards for labor and environment. Fast and reliable transportation infrastructure 
including railroads and ports, is essential to moving inputs for refining and processing and expanding access to clean energy technologies. For example, the U.S. government just facilitated a new partnership between two American firms and the government of Angola to invest $2 billion in building a new solar projects in Angola. It's a partnership that will help Angola meet its climate goals and energy needs while creating new markets for American technologies and good jobs in Angola and I suspect throughout Africa. And in Romania, the American company New Scale Power will build the first of its kind small modular reactor plant. This will help bring online zero emission nuclear energy to Europe faster, more cheaply, and more efficiently. Okay, so the Democrat Communist Party is not for nuclear energy in America, but they are for sending American money to Europe and building nuclear power plants there. Also, we need batteries for electric cars and other clean energy technology. So we need things like lithium and cobalt. And those resources are extracted from African countries with low-skilled, low-wage labor. Some might call it slavery, but we're not going to. And in exchange, we're going to build them a solar field so that they can worship the sun too. They're going to meet their climate goals, which are also just the global climate goals that we have thrust upon Angola. But since we also gave Angola fraudulent leaders through fraudulent elections with plenty of George Soros's help, it turns out that their goals are our goals and our goals are their goals. It's amazing how it works. All it takes is the total takeover of a country's election system and then a whole bunch of money so that no one ever complains. And then we'll just build up all sorts of infrastructure, roads and high speed rails and airports and whatever it takes so that we can properly extract all of the critical resources from the low and middle income African countries using their low skilled, low price labor. And the whole global community benefits because we're all interconnected and we're not colonizing these African nations again. We're forming partnerships and these are public private partnerships. We're bringing together the global governments all acting as one with the philanthropists and the corporations. And together, we're going to make the world a much safer, smarter, better more controlled place. We're going to use global best practices for the labor. And we can tell ourselves that so that we don't have to worry about the actual conditions in these mines or the actual conditions of these workers. If unfortunate things happen, well, those are just speed bumps on the road to progress. These are the global best practices. We have our smartest people on it. The U.S. government is helping advance the development of this groundbreaking American technology, which will strengthen Europe's energy security and create thousands of jobs in Romania and the United States. These deals are just some of what's in store. And we're ready. We're ready to get to work together, all of us, to lead efforts, to lead U.S. efforts, in my case. Appointed, I appointed Amos Hochstein, my special presidential coordinator, to deal with the rest of our colleagues. I'll lead the U.S. whole-of-government approach 
to drive a coalition and a collaboration with the G7 and our partners around the world, including private sector and multilateral development banks. I want to be clear, this isn't aid or charity. It's an investment that will deliver returns for everyone, including the American people and the people of all our nations. It will boost all of our economies. It's a chance for us to share our positive vision for the future and let communities around the world see themselves and see for themselves the concrete benefits of partnering with democracies. Because when democracies demonstrate what we can do, all that we have to offer, I have no doubt that we'll win the competition every time. Thank you. Now I invite President Van der Leyen to the podium. These nations have to join the community of democracies so that they can see how much better it is to be aligned with the countries that we are going to just continue calling democracies, even though the citizens get no input whatsoever into what their countries are doing, to what their leaders are doing. Joe Biden traveled to Europe to sign away the country's future. He is in every single way committing this country to the globalist vision. The globalist vision is communism. All of this is communism. It is a controlled system on every level. These plans exist to remake societies around the world in the vision of the globalists. Everything is managed from the top. They're building the roads. They're building the information infrastructure. They're building the health infrastructure. They're implementing a new woke morality through the gender agenda. And they're doing this around the world. It is meant to be all encompassing. It's meant to be in partnership with other nations who no longer care about the sovereignty of their nation, which means they care nothing for the sovereignty of the individual. It's in conjunction with the philanthropists. It's in conjunction with the corporations. Where in this are we supposed to believe the will of the people is enacted in any way? And the other thing is they dilute responsibility for all this stuff. The global community decided X. It's not Joe Biden that did it. No country's leaders are directly responsible. They can just say, well, you know, these are the things that the global community says it needs. Everything is being done with global best practices. So, yeah, we did it, but you can't complain and you can't stop it because you can't vote. You can't vote us out. You can't hold us accountable. So you might as well just sit back and accept it and better yet, pretend you wanted it the whole time. Doesn't matter if we do it with consent or not. The end result is the same. You'd be a lot happier if you just acted like you wanted it. The government owns the infrastructure. The government supplies the capital. The government sets the outcomes. They do this in partnership with the corporations, which means they control essentially the means of production. Sure, you can call the corporations private, but when they're in a public private partnership, they're not private in any way that matters. And they're not responding to market forces. In fact, they don't even get market signals because all of it is controlled. All of it is a managed system. It is in every way communism. It is also fascism. And it's being carried out on a global scale in partnership with the global organizations and with these other countries. 
calling it global communism is exactly right. It is completely and perfectly accurate. And it was right two years ago when I began saying it, because this was always the agenda. All you have to do is read it. They communicate their plans very clearly. Always. You just have to believe them that it's what they really want. And then you have to dig your way through all of the Orwellian doublespeak, all the reinventions of language, all the twistings and distortions of meaning. But if you listen carefully, all of that stuff just burns away. And at bottom, the thing is just the thing. You have to call the thing what it is. All right. What's happening at the southern border is not illegal immigration. It's a slave trade. When Hillary calls a black man, says that a black man has been driven by anger and grievance for his entire life because he has a different mind about what the Constitution means, about what individual liberty means, about what this country means. She's illustrating the hate movement. You can watch the genuinely demonic. There's no other word for the reactions of many of these protesters over the weekend. It's a hate movement. Call it a hate movement. They're executing the same program that was executed in Nazi Germany in World War II and the time leading up to it. It's a hate movement. But that's a conspiracy theory. That's hyperbolic. It's divisive. No, it's true. Global communism is global communism. Call the thing what it is. Just because Joe Biden, an illegitimate president installed by the global communists, is running things and talking about himself as though he represents the American people, that he is working for the benefit of Americans, doesn't make it true. He's literally in office to implement a communist order in countries across the globe. It's global communism. Call the thing what it is. And I will leave you with a nice palate cleanse from the great Clarence Thomas. You can be in the middle of a hurricane or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. North is still north. People can yell at you. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!